This is one thing about inner prisons. Everybody watches. And a lot of them know you've been hurt. A lot of them know what you've been going through. And you have an audience of people that watch how you handle the hurt. Do you move forward? Do you not? It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. Hey, hey, guys. It is your girl. Happy summer to everyone out there. Oh, my goodness. I just love you guys so much. I have fluorescent green nails today that glow in the dark. I'm feeling summertime. I am loving it. I hope you guys are loving it as well. Um, I am so pumped about our episode today. I'm so pumped. And this is why, like sometimes when, when you get up to speak or when you get whatever, you know that like the material is going to be hard to hear for some people. Guys, this is just going to flat out encourage your heart. It's going to give you practical steps on how to move on. Listen, everyone listen up. If someone has wronged you, it's going to give you practical steps. Has anyone out there besides your girl been wronged and you just can't get over it? You can't get past it. You're hurt. You feel betrayed. You can't move forward. And you're like, like you try, like we, that's the thing. We, we try to move forward. We try to do the right thing. We try and we try and we try. And then we find ourselves a week after we're trying back in the same place. This is going to help you. If you have been wronged, if you have been hurt by someone else, we are going to talk about the prison that someone else puts you in and how to get out. It's going to be so good, guys. I can't even handle my life. I'm super excited. And I just got off the elliptical, so I'm super sweaty and I'm ready to go. We're ready to do this. I'm like warmed up, ready to go. Um, okay, what's happening in my life? Well, I have my kids, all the kids, all the kids, <laughs> all the kids. <laughs> And so my boys, two boys, obviously y'all know Jude, who is an eating machine. Like if there was a machine that only eats, it would be him. Okay. And then I have my other little mini man, my mini, mini man, who is a mini eating machine, eating machine. Now, the difference between the two is that Jude is almost 14 years old and he knows how to pick up after himself. And my mini eating machine, Moses, doesn't do a good job. He's seven. He knows what to do. We've done our job as parents, but um, he's just not really good at it. So this is what is happening in my world right now, right this second, as of yesterday, fresh yesterday. I go out to my car and my car, I try to keep clean. Now my kids are not babies, so I'm not like plagued with the goldfish, like smashed in my floor anymore. I don't have bugles everywhere. I don't have those little dissolvable star fruit yogurt chews everywhere in my car anymore. Therefore, I don't want to see any food in my car. I want to keep it clean. We're past that stage. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And we're not going back. We're four and we are done. Okay. 
But I went to clean my car and I opened up the back door. And what do I see? My husband, the amount of nuts my husband consumes is unbelievable. We have like, he goes to Costco, he buys all the nut bags. Like, what do we have, Cassie? We've got the almonds. We've got the uh, cashews. We've got the mixed nuts. We've got the trail mixed nuts with chocolate. We've got all the nuts. The amount of bags of nuts in my pantry is unbelievable. I eat one kind of, I guess, nut. Is is the sunflower a nut? I don't even, is it a nut? Do we, I eat sunflowers like day and night. So there's, then, then we have my nuts. Okay. So I go to the back of my car. And my husband has introduced Moses Miles to peanuts. And he's got these little bags of peanuts um, that he just distributes at will. And my husband doesn't think about the fact that they get everywhere. I open my car. There is 4,000 peanuts all in the seat of my car and all in the floor. And I'm like, oh my goodness gracious. Why is this happening? I was so frustrated. I knew exactly who did it because Moses is not very good at picking up his mess. So he comes out and I'm like, Mo, Mo, dude, dude, you've got to pick up every single one of these peanuts. He picks them up. No problem. Pretty good attitude about it. Then I walk into my house and go to sit down in my chair What do I see in my chair? 4,000 peanuts because my husband has given him another bag of these mini peanuts. He eats the peanuts. They're everywhere. Okay. Moses, come over here and clean up these peanuts. So he comes over and he has to pick them up one by one. And at this point, I'm getting frustrated because the amount of nuts that are everywhere. Later last night, guess what? I went to the same chair and there was 5,000 peanuts all over the chair. And then I have to make a choice. Are you mature enough to eat peanuts? (laughs) Because I don't want to be sitting in peanuts and see peanuts all over my house. And so I said, for the time being, Moses Miles, we are not going to let you have peanuts until you can pick up all of your peanuts. Do you guys ever do that? Do you ever restrict food because it's too messy for your kids? Well, we do. Um, So until he is aware of the fact that with every peanut he puts into his mouth, seven fall on the floor, homeboy isn't eating any peanuts anymore. And that's just what we're doing. And that's literally what's happening in my life right now. And Cassie thought it was really funny. And she laughed about it all night last night. She's like, you've got to talk about the peanuts. So there you go. That's real, real life. Anyone else real out there? Because I am very, very real. Okay, listen, we are going to go to break. I will be right back in however long the break is, because I really don't know how long it is. But we're going to be back and we're going to talk about the prison that someone else put you in and you just can't seem to get out of. I love y'all so much. Catch me right after this break. Are you new to this whole Jesus thing and don't know where to start? Or maybe you've been following him for a while and you want to dig deeper into the word of God. Then you've come to the right place. Each month, Autumn hosts an online, in-depth Bible study through Facebook Live called The Jesus Initiative. The Jesus Initiative is a monthly spiritual challenge to anyone willing to join and grow deeper in their faith. She covers topics such as how to wait when waiting is hard, 
moving forward in faith even when you're terrified, and how to combat the spiritual warfare in your mind. Autumn's desire is to help break down complex topics in a way that's easy for everyone to understand and implement into their everyday lives. The goal of the Jesus Initiative is to tackle real-life topics in a real-life way, grounded in the Word of God. Understanding the things of God doesn't have to be hard. If you're a believer who wants to grow in your faith and strengthen your relationship with God, these Bible studies will challenge you in all the right ways. Simply search Autumn Miles on Facebook or follow her on Instagram at at Autumn Miles and click the follow button so you can stay in the loop for when the next Bible study starts. Okie dokie, guys. Here we are fresh. We're fresh out of the break. And so I love these shows because everything I share, I know I've said this a hundred times, but everything I share, God deals with me first in. And this is another one. Like I couldn't even share this without the Lord just doing some work on my own heart. It's interesting. Very recently, we had a situation where someone close to me was really, really hurt by somebody else. And everything I am about to tell you, I had to give as advice to this person. So really, honestly, in a what's happening in my life, I could have I could have actually done the whole guts of this podcast today. I could have shared it all. This is very fresh for me. It's very relevant, I think, for everyone. But what do you do? What do you do? When someone else has hurt you so badly or betrayed you so badly or caused pain in your life so badly and you just cannot seem to get over it, you can't seem to get past it, they're never going to be asking for an apology. Let, let's just kiss that little desire goodbye. Of course, we want an apology, but you know, 99% of the hurts, the people that did the hurting don't even know they did it. Okay. So what do you do when someone else puts you in a prison? Now, I don't want to just talk about hurt here. Um, a financial prison. Maybe someone else has made a decision and financially it's put you in a prison of what do I do in this situation? A prison that is not your fault. It was caused by somebody else. That's what I want to talk about today. I want to go straight to my scripture today because um, we're going to talk about, you know, my best friends, Paul and Silas in the New Testament. And I want to read you a couple of verses that set up this whole passage. Now, you may have heard this preached before. I actually hope you have. I hope you are familiar with this passage. I'm going to put a little bit of a different spin on it for you guys today. Hopefully it's different. Hopefully it's insightful. Our whole mission statement for what we do is spiritually challenge the way people think. So I hope this pushes back maybe on a narrative that you you maybe already have about this passage. Um, but I want to take you very uh, specifically to Acts 16, verse 16. Okay. We're looking at a situation where Paul and Silas are minding their own business and they get placed in prison because of someone else. Let's read it right here. Acts 16, uh, 16 says this, it happened that as we were going, okay, Paul and Silas is who we're talking about. 
to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us who was bringing her master's much profit by fortune telling. Listen, she was possessed. That's what she was. Okay. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out saying, these men are servants of the most high God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. I just want to pause. This has nothing to do with what I am. I'm going to talk about. I just think it's so fascinating. She was possessed by an evil spirit. Spirit of divination is what the the word says in Acts 16. But she is so on point with what she says about Paul and friends. The spirits of evil know the most high God and they also know the servants of the most high God. So while what she said, you're going to see was frustrating. um, What she said was the truth. It is fascinating to me that she followed them around speaking the truth, which also tells you the enemy knows the truth. And he knows how to divert from the truth. The Bible calls him the father of lies. And I think that's just something worth pointing out. He does know the truth. And if you know the truth, you know how to lie. So here we go. Okay. I just think that's interesting. So the, uh, the girl is following them around and she's saying, these men are bond servants of the most high God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She's even saying she's like a billboard for these guys. They're going to proclaim to you the way of salvation. 18. She continued doing this for many days. <laughs> and I love this so much, but Paul was greatly annoyed. Does that warm anybody's heart that the apostle Paul was greatly annoyed? It definitely warms my heart when I am greatly annoyed because I get greatly annoyed. Um, I love that it says it just plain as day right here in my little NASB scripture. She continued doing this for uh, many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the spirit. Now he wasn't speaking to the girl. He was speaking to the spirit. Why? Because he had authority over the spirit. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. He was not speaking to the girl. He was speaking to the spirit. Some of you guys are speaking to people. You don't need to be speaking to people. We wrestle against flesh and blood, against principalities and powers of darkness. Some of you guys need to confront the spirit, not the person. Okay. Wow. I'm preaching before I'm preaching here. And it came out at that very moment. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the market and placed before the authorities. So the people that owned the slave girl were profiting off of her. She was able to probably tell fortunes and they were using her for all sorts of things. They were making money off of her. And so when they saw that they could not do that anymore, they were mad, even though what Paul did was a service to the girl. And actually we see Jesus doing this all throughout the gospels. He would go and cast out demons. And it was a great service to the people that these demons had been living in for this particular circumstance, the masters weren't happy because they couldn't make money. So they brought them into the chief magistrates, uh, verse 20, and they said, these men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews. 
and are proclaiming customs, which is not lawful for us to accept or to observe being Romans. Now listen to this. The crowd rose up together against them. They didn't do anything wrong. They actually did something right. But the crowd rose up against them anyway, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off of them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. Verse 23, when they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them secretly. And having 24, and uh, he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Okay, let's pause before we move on through the story. This is what I want to focus on. Here we have Paul and Silas who did something right. Okay, do you ever feel like you did the right thing, but someone wronged you anyway? Um, do you ever feel like you're trying to do the right thing? You're striving for righteousness. You're trying to do the right thing. And, um, someone betrays you anyway, you're doing the work of the Lord. That's exactly what Paul and Silas were doing. They were very faithful, dangerously faithful, um, doing the work of the Lord and still yet they were betrayed and thrown into prison anyway. I feel like this speaks to a lot of people who are, you are, you're trying to do the right thing. Maybe you're trying to have a good marriage and your spouse is cheating on you. Maybe you're trying to do the best thing financially and someone else has maybe, maybe spouse again has, you know, overspent in the budget or got a credit card you don't know about or something like that. Maybe you're trying to do the right thing and you have been gossiped about or lied about. Maybe you're trying to do the right thing with your kids and, you know, you have people that are fighting you in your family and betraying you and talking behind your back. You know, this is something I think most of us, if you've never been betrayed, I want, uh, that's amazing. But most of us, if we've lived past the age of 13, we have probably been betrayed more than once. And we have probably been wronged more than once. And we see Paul and Cyrus, Silas, excuse me, doing the right thing. Paul did the right thing. And the crowd still rose up against them. And the crowd still demanded punishment for them doing the right thing. And guess what? They were thrown in prison. It says that they were thrown in prison. Verse 23 says this, when they had struck them with many blows. So I personally have been in a situation, you know, some people, you know, they don't, we're not talking about like actual someone striking you, although that's a possibility. Um, I'm talking about like the gossip blows. I'm talking about like the maybe financial blows. I'm talking about maybe uh, someone from your past haunting you with emotional blows. Maybe it's a, a situation in in a church where a leader has, you know, they've, they've wronged you and it has multiple effects. Okay. 
maybe it's an ex-spouse that just you just can't seem to get on the same page and there's multiple blows that just keep pushing you back. It wasn't just one thing. They were beaten and then they were thrown in prison. So that's who the rest of this is going to focus on. Those of you that have been hurt so badly, you're not just in an inner prison for no reason. This hurt has been repetitive and it's put you in a place where you just can't seem to move forward. That's it. When the jailer, verse 23, let me, let me go to the top of 23. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them in prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Now, this is very interesting. I talked about Peter last week. I've talked about Joseph. Peter, last week, if you listen to what we were talking about, he was given for his particular time in prison the maximum security that you could be given. This is another example The inner prison is, again, the maximum security, the maximum cell that you could put anybody in, okay? It's the inner, inner prison. If you are in an inner prison, much like Peter was, you had multiple doors to get to to get on the outside, okay? So this is like what we would think of like a maximum security here in uh, the States, right? So they are here in this inner prison. Their feet are in stocks. They're tightly secured. Obviously, they have the jailer is like, you know, watching over them like a hawk. Okay. Paul and Silas are both there. And um, they're sitting, awaiting. I don't even know what they're waiting for, but they're there. They're there because they did something right. And someone else had wronged them. Multiple people had wronged them with many blows. And now they're there. In this term in our prison, I just can't seem to move past. And this is why I bring it up. And this is why I wanted to talk about this, because I think a lot of the people that I'm going to be talking to today are people that are hiding the fact that they are in an inner prison. There is a prison on the inside, inner, inner of you. And no one would know it from the outside of you. No one would know. Years ago, I started, you know, when Eddie and I started unraveling some of the stuff that's happened in my past, I started learning a lot about myself because of things that I had almost kept secured on the inside of me that needed to be set free. Now, I was preaching, you guys, (laughs) like preaching all these places. Uh, At that point, I had already released my first book and a lot of things were coming up in me. My whole story is journaled through I Am Rahab. You go get the book if you want to hear in detail. But I started to notice things in me when I would go to a church, reservations in me because the church kicked me out when I was 22 that you know, years and years later, guys, we're talking 15 years later, still was locked up on the inside of me now to look at me and even to talk to me. If you were to say, Autumn, are you set free? I would say, yes, of course I am. I had forgiven all of those people. Okay. 
But there was a residual inner prison in me of things that I couldn't quite release yet. Forgiveness yet, but healing is a different thing than forgiveness. And I remember my husband and I, we would have conversations and the Lord started to shine a light on this piece of me. I didn't know why I would respond strongly to things. Now I'm a passionate person. Like I respond strongly to a piece of cheese. Okay. That's just the way that I am. Like I respond strongly to like a flower or like, I just respond strongly to a lot of things, but my husband knows me well enough to say, why did you respond like that to this situation? It didn't seem to be merited. And what happened guys as I sat in my own inner prison in stocks, you would never know, was I started to connect the dots through counsel, through books, through the scripture, of course. I started to connect the things that were locked up inside of me to hurts that other people had done in my life. So that's who I'm talking to. No one would ever know. You're the I'm fine person. You're the everything is great. When you go to church, you like go, you sit down, you know, and they're like, turn around and greet someone. You're like, hey, the joy of the Lord is my strength. How are you doing? God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. You know, that's you. Okay. You're, you're those people. You don't want to let somebody else in. And yet in the inside of you, in your inner prison, just like Paul and Silas was, you are locked down. I'm your sister. I know exactly what you're dealing with. This is where Paul and Silas were. Now they were physically locked down, but of course I'm relating it mentally. This is one thing about inner prisons. Everybody watches. Do you know you have an audience and a lot of them know you've been hurt? A lot of them know what you've been going through. A lot of them know, especially if it's recent, a lot of people know, wow, that person just did you dirty. They just did you wrong. And you have an audience of people that watch how you talk about that person, how you respond to that person, how you handle the hurt. Do you move forward? Do you not? The next scene I want to show you in this scripture is the audience that Paul and Silas had. Here we go. Verse 25 says this, and about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. This I'm just going to stop here like this. I could cry at this one because there's other people incarcerated. Some of them obviously probably deserved it. (laughs) But for the case of my point, there's other prisoners that have been hurt. And they know that you're in a situation where you didn't cause the hurt, but you're right there with them. And these other people in your life 
are looking to see how does the godly one respond to this. My husband and I uh, bring our kids in, especially our older kids, because they're uh, 16 and 14, and Jude wants to be a pastor. He's made it very, very clear that's what he wants to do. His whole life he is basing off of that calling that God gave him when he was about six years old. Grace is in children's ministry right now. She wants to go into children's ministry. And I think a lot of that is because we have let our children in. Listen, this is what we've done. This is just what we've done. We've let our children in to see hurts that Eddie and I have experienced. Obviously, it's all been age-appropriate, what we've told them. We don't just like barf on them all details about stuff. But it's very important to me that our children see not just what we say, but what we live. I think I would be a failure as a parent. you guys. And this is just my conviction. I think I would be a failure as a parent if I did not let my kids see me walk in faith. I want them to see me walk in faith because I want them also to see me struggle walking in faith so that then they can see when God's faithfulness meets my faith and transforms my walk. I want my kids to see that. Because that is what teaches them how to have their own faith walk. We've invited our kids into situations that we think are age appropriate. Um, and my husband and I the other day talking about prisoners, you know, watching how you respond. My husband and I the other day, my husband made an announcement and he said, I made a decision for our family. We dismissed the younger two because it, they, it wasn't age appropriate for them. Made a decision for our family. I'm not ready to share with you certain things about this decision, but this is what we're going to do. And Grace, 16, almost 17, looked at Eddie and we're having a very calm conversation. I was not saying one word. And she looked at Eddie and she was like, why don't you tell us details, dad? Because we're watching how you respond here. We were perfectly silent for like 45 seconds. And then it dawned on Eddie, you're right. This is an opportunity for them to see what God has been doing in us. Listen, there are people who are in an inner prison themselves that are watching how you respond. Are you the Christian that you say you are? Do you talk negatively about that person or that situation? What do you do when you're massively hurt? I'm not saying restrain all your emotions because emotions are amazing. Um, the Bible says, be angry and do not sin. But ultimately, what do you do? Paul and Silas made a choice and what they did was amazing. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. Um, they chose to praise. This is one of the hardest things possible. You know that Paul and Silas were mature believers because they had been so betrayed, so wronged, even by the people that they were ministering to and the people that they were, they helped that they found themselves in a situation of 
a prison that someone else caused. And guys, let me tell you this. I don't know that this was an emotional decision that Paul and Silas made. I think this was a deliberate fist in the face of the enemy. I think Paul and Silas in this moment knew how powerful praise had been for David. They knew how powerful praise had been for Jehoshaphat. They knew how powerful praise had been for Jesus as Jesus was literally walking to be betrayed. He was singing hymns. Did you know that? He was singing the Hallel hymns. You could look it up for yourself. I've studied it in depth. They knew how powerful praise and worship was. And they knew that eyes were watching and they knew that all the eyes that were watching them, including God and the angels and the heavenly hosts, the demons themselves were watching. How are they going to respond to the massive betrayal and hurt that ultimately put them into prison? I don't think they felt like praising. Now, I could be wrong, and I'll talk to Paul when I get in heaven. So why did you praise? I think it was an anthem that said, no matter what you do to me, we will worship the Lord God Almighty. And that is this response, you guys, that we must take. When we find ourselves in situations where we have been handed many blows that don't make sense, many things, even when we're, we're striving for the Lord, we're trying for the Lord, we're, we're at church, we're doing the thing, we're working in ministry. Guys, I've been dealt so many blows in ministry, it's unbelievable, but I will not stop because I know that God's character will literally, is so good and will handle all of those things. And it will not hinder me from my call here, this side of heaven. Paul and Silas knew the power of it. Paul was an intellectual. He was very educated. He knew the scriptures, which is why he was trying to kill everyone that was found in the way. Because he knew to him at that point before he found Christ, it was blasphemy. It went against the law. He knew. He knew the power of praise. He knew its capabilities. So rather than sitting there looking at Silas, Paul was a human, okay? I know he clearly had gotten greatly annoyed early in the scripture. So you know homeboy was annoyed sitting there in prison for something uh, that he did not even do. He actually did good. You know he was annoyed. We know he got annoyed earlier. He's probably still annoyed. I think this was an in-your-face Satan, they deliberately praised because there is power in it. You guys, this must be your response. At first, you make it a deliberate decision. I am going to praise no matter what. I am going to praise, not because I feel like it, because I know there's power in it. Not because everything in me wants to jump in and listen to a little Maverick City or a little Elevation. No, and not because I feel like it, because I know uh, the Spirit of God inhabits the praises of His people. I'm going to praise audaciously, stubbornly, and rudely in the face of evil. 
because I know that's where God meets me and that's where things change. That's what they did. And everybody heard. The most negative place in the world, in that prison, at that time, heard praises. And because of that, suddenly, verse 26, there came a great earthquake. I love these great earthquakes in the Bible. It says great earthquake. It's like everyone in the whole town felt this earthquake. This was not like, oh, wait, my, my water just moved. This is like a massive earthquake, people. A great earthquake. It also talks about a great earthquake when uh, Jesus was resurrected. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And immediately, immediately, because of their deliberate, calculated, in-your-face, praise and worship music that they were blaring out of their mouth, all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. That is what happens to you and everyone around you. When you choose to in your face, Satan, your betrayal, that is what happens. Not only do the stocks fall off of your hands in your inner prison, the stocks and the shackles and the jail cells all fling wide open for everyone else. And why does this happen? Because onlookers that are looking in at you will see if they can do it. I actually deserve to be in this cell. But if they can do it and they did nothing to get here, then maybe the power of their God will meet me too. When we choose to deliberately praise God not based on someone else's actions toward us, but based on his good character. Not only do we get free, others get free. You guys, when I was going through that period of time, after releasing my first book and just, and really Rahab was in my head. I am Rahab. I was, it was in my head. I was actually, it took me three years to write Rahab. A lot of people don't know that. Because I don't even know why. I think I was going through a healing process myself. Maybe that's why. It was just, it was a lot. I did a lot of research. There was a lot of delays. I was about to go with one publisher and that one. Anyway, it's a whole thing. But I remember very specifically sitting and I would write like three sentences in Rahab, right? The book is called I Am Rahab. And I would cry. And it would come from this inner prison in my own soul that I had protected for years. So I would <laughs> type a couple sentences, cry, give it to the Lord, deliberately choose to praise him anyway. By the end of that writing process, I remember when I turned in that book, I was in Florida I had sent my email, turning in my manuscript. There was this tiny little like haagen ice cream place. And I called Eddie and I was like, I'm going to go get ice cream. 
And I went and I got ice cream and I think I put up like some uh, post on social or whatever, like I just finished my book or whatever. And I got ice cream and it was like, like whatever, whatever I got. And I was celebrating the fact that my book was done. But internally, I was also celebrating the fact that for the first time in 15-ish years, my inner prison was gone. There was such a cleansing in me that took place during that season. And it was a deliberate decision to base my healing, not on the actions of other people, but on the character of God. And I think that that's where a lot of you guys need to sit today. Your decision to move forward cannot be on the actions of other people. They have to be on the character of God. We want so badly for people to respond correctly. Everyone that hurt me all those 20 years ago, one of them have come to apologize and nobody else. I had to make my decision to praise and heal on God's character and not my feelings, on God's goodness and not their apology because I was never going to get it. When the jailer awoke, verse 27, and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, yikes, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? I'm going to read on because I have an amazing point for this. They said, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. And listen, and he took them that very hour of night and washed the wounds And immediately he was baptized, he and all of his household. I talk about other people watching how you respond. But you know who else is watching how you respond? Those that caused the wounds. This jailer um, was responsible for keeping them in prison. He was no doubt there watching over the different wounds that were created in them. And the very person that allowed them, that made sure that they stayed there, was the very person because of their response that washed the wounds that he helped to create and maintain. Other people aren't just watching. The ones that caused the wounds are as well. And because of their response, the jailer and all of his household were saved. I love this because I think we, the whole world glamorizes how you feel. There's nothing wrong with feelings, guys. But there are times like this when you've been wronged that you have to make a deliberate decision not 
based on how you feel to praise, to get in your Bible, to forgive, even though there's no forgiveness asked of you. Some things in order to move through them have to be a deliberate decision. And in faith, just like Paul and Silas in the prison, in faith, when we make a deliberate decision to actually believe that God will take care of us no matter what, the prisoner gets saved, so does the jailer, and so does his whole household. That would not have happened if Paul and Silas were just had a bad attitude in prison. It would not have happened. Their deliberate faith brought about salvation to Benny. I want to move on and then I will be um, completely done. He washed the wounds. I love that. I've just looked down at my notes and saw that. He washed the wounds he helped create. Um, these people that hurt you, they may never, ever come and literally sit down and get soap and water and actually wash your wounds. But there is something about seeing someone else getting it right, knowing that they saw you hurt and you did the right thing that washes a wound away. There is something about someone coming back 10 years later and saying, you know, when I did that to you, I'm really, really sorry about that. That washes the wounds away. I love that. He washed away the wounds he helped to create. I want to go to the, my last point and then we'll be done. I know we're going a little bit long, but I just, I just think that this is really important. Paul and Silas were set free because of the Lord who intervened because of their praise and worship. Okay. They were set free before they were set free. I want to read this. Acts 16, 35 says this. Now, when day came, now all this had happened at night. Like the magistrates, I don't know. They were like, they had take their, taken their melatonin and they were like out like a light with their little my pillow and everything. They were like out. They had a little weighted blanket in their gold robes. They were out. Okay. Now, when day came, verse 35, all that had happened while the magistrates were sleeping. The chief magistrate sent their policemen saying, release those men. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the chief magistrates have sent to release you. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. <laughs> Paul is so gangster. I love it. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us in public without a trial. Men who are Romans, which is unlawful, by the way, and have thrown us into prison. And now they are sending us away secretly? No, indeed. But let them come themselves and bring us out. Paul is like not even trying to play with these magistrates. The policeman reported these words to the chief magistrates, verse 38, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans because it was unlawful, verse 39, and they came and appealed to them. And when they had brought them out, they kept begging them to leave the city. And they went out of prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they saw the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. Okay. I got to just one more point. Staying with me. They were released 
before the magistrates released them. They were already released. When we are dealing with a betrayal, when we are dealing with a frustration or an inner prison or whatever it is, this story is beautiful. And it depicts exactly what I'm saying just by these uh, last verses. Paul and Silas were free before any man released them. They were free because the praise and worship of the Most High God and his character released them hours before the chief magistrates could even get there to release them. Their freedom was not based on a human perspective or a human decision. Their freedom was based on them believing that God was who he said that he was. He was good and he was going to intervene in their situation. This is how I know that you can once and for all, walk away from that inner prison, walk away from that betrayal, walk away from those things that have held you back maybe for years, walk away from that neglect, walk away from that abuse. I'm not saying you're going to forget it because I haven't forgot it, but I have left my inner prison because of it. Because I know that there is a God that is not dependent on man to release me. There is a God whose freedom is found, who we can find freedom from in the praises and our uh, worship of him alone. Your inner prison is not based on someone else's magistrate. It is based on how well you let the power of the living God interject in your soul. They were released before they were released. And also when they were released, technically, he stated his feelings. All the stuff about people can't say how they feel. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. If someone comes to you and they have wronged you, you can say, this hurt me. Paul was very direct. You did all this stuff and blah, 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 blah. Go tell that to the magistrates. Guys, there was a lot of closure that happened because Paul said how he felt. God isn't telling us to not say anything. If an ex-spouse hurts you and there's an opportunity, you waited for the opportunity, but there's an opportunity to share how you feel, you can do that. It doesn't mean you're a terrible sinner. Do it in love, but state how you feel. Circumstance that we had happen amongst us uh, very recently, my advice to that person was you need to be honest with what this did to your heart. And they were honest. You can be released before you're released. And how you do that is make sure that you are focused not on their apology, not on what they do, not on their what they think the power that they have over you. Your freedom is found in a God that says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. Your freedom is found in a God that says what they meant for evil, I'm going to bring good out of it. Your freedom is found in the character of God, not the actions of men. Okay, that was really long. 
I loved it. I loved every second. I hope you did too. I hope you're able to find freedom from that. And guys, I can honestly say, man, all that stuff that I dealt with years ago, yes, it caused several inner prisons in me and God has freed me from that. I hope this encouraged you today. We're going to be back for just a couple things right after the break. I'll see you in a second. Did you know that Autumn has many resources available to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God? By visiting autumnmiles.com, you can access them all. From there, you can find previous teachings under the podcast and media tabs, and you can order any one of the books Autumn has written. Her book, Appointed, will help you better understand that your significance is only found in God, while I Am Rahab beautifully conveys God's ability to redeem any situation you may have found yourself in. And if you want to add some heat to your prayer life and kick things up a notch, Gangster Prayer is a book that will help you do just that. Again, you can find all these resources and more by visiting autumnmiles.com. That was a mouthful, you guys. I'm so glad you stuck with me. Okay, here we go. G-O. I have a question from one of you guys out there today. Stephanie says this, I feel like I've fallen away from God and now I think he can't even hear me anymore. I want to get my life straight. What's the first step you would take to get to know God again? Stephanie, I am so excited about this next season for you. And I'm that you already took the first step. Let's just say that you're already acknowledging, dude, I am away. I need to get in gear and I'm going to do this thing. That right there is your first step. A lot of people fake it. Okay. Oh, I'm so, me and God are just so tight. And they know they didn't open their Bibles in months. So the very fact that you have said, I've fallen away. I want to get back. There we are. My advice to you, I'm going to get super technical. Okay. My advice to you is do the following. Probably what you've heard a million times to do. The first thing I would do is I would take a day. If you've never fasted before and fast and ask the Lord to reveal himself to you. Now, um, you can fast from anything for one day. You can fast from food, but definitely check with your doctor before you do that. Uh, you can fast from social. You can fast from sugar and carbs. I do that all the time. You can fast from whatever it is. It just needs to be something that you will feel it. Okay. It needs to be a sacrifice for you. Then I would pick up my Bible during that day and I would say, word of God, speak. Holy Spirit, speak. God is not going to leave. He is not leave. He stands at the door and knocks. Your job is to open that door, open up that communication, and you do it through biblical principles that he sets forth, which would be fasting, which would be reading the word, and which would be prayer. That's where I would start. I would also get nice Bible study that you can create a routine again. Jesus is calling is a great one. I bought that for a lot of people. I use a 365 day daily devotional streams in the desert. It is absolutely amazing. I've read it for 20 plus years, but you need to get into a routine again. Okay. Then it's all you girl. You're going to have to, you are literally going to have to ask the Lord to speak 
God is our friend. Okay. He's our savior. He's our father. He's a lot of things. But one of the things that the Lord is really speaking to me about lately is being a friend of God. Um, We look at him almost like he's far off at times. um, But Moses was best buddies with God, Abraham, best buddies with God, you can be too. So open up that friend relationship with him again and just see what he does. I'm super, super excited for you, Stephanie. Um, What a great question. I know it's a question for a lot of other people out there as well. I want to go into what God is doing in your life and then we'll be done today. This is um, just such an awesome testimony of what God is doing amongst us. Like we're a family here. You know, there's thousands of you guys out there. Like There's like thousands of you out there. Y'all listen, download, and it's just absolutely amazing. But this is from Sasha, who is one of our awesome family members. I wanted to let you know, because of your team's prayers, I moved forward in accepting a new job. So awesome. A very big thank you for all the prayers and encouragement. I've listened for so long and you've helped me so much. I took faith in God and claimed my space and he has offered it to me, I think. Um, So Sasha, we're so happy for you and your new job. And I'm so, so thrilled that listening to the ministry and the podcast and stuff like that has enabled you to do that. Guys, be a Sasha, go out there, claim it for Jesus, pray all over that thing that you need and watch him work in your life. Let me pray us out. Lord, we love you today. I thank you that our inner prisons do not ever have to be permanent. I thank you that your blood on the cross offers us healing. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are ready to intervene, ready to lead us out, ready to heal, ready to deliver us from whatever inner prison we find ourselves in. I thank you, Lord, right now that chains are being broken off of the listeners. I thank you right now that aha moments are happening all over the place. God, I thank you that your word is so powerful, God that it accomplishes for us what we can't accomplish for ourselves. We thank you. We praise you. You are God, and we just worship you in this moment. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you guys next time. Thank you for joining the Autumn Mile Show. Oh, it's been a good one. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Autumn Mile Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, you can check out the many resources that Autumn has available, from her books and past episodes to her video series. We've got all the tools you need to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. To get connected and for more encouraging content, you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. We appreciate your prayers and support for this ministry. It's because of you that we have been able to impact millions of people worldwide and that we can continue to serve those who need to hear Autumn's message of victory and promise. Find out how you can come alongside us when you go to autumnmiles.com. Just search the top of the index for the support tab. Thank you for listening in today and be sure to join us next time for another episode of The Autumn Miles Show.